Hello, everyone. This is Sherelle Jardine, and this is Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Make a Scene Canada is a go-to for discovering new artists, as well as a place to hang out with our Canadian icons. I absolutely love, and it's my great pleasure to bring you the songs and stories of our world-class Canadian musicians and introduce you to our industry leaders as well. Magazine Canada is sponsored by Zed Productions. Zed Productions is a full-service production company offering the best studios and services to suit your project and budget. From producing to recording and mixing, contact Sheldon Zaharko at sheldonzaharko.com. There is a lot that goes into running this station and its podcasts, and while we do bring it to you for free, we could use some support to keep running and growing. Any contributions, no matter how small, are appreciated. If you love the show and would like to donate to Make a Scene Canada, go to pacificnorthwestradio.com and click on the top right where it says contribute and become a patron of the station and Make a Scene Canada. Click on become a patron and then you'll have a few options. You can make a custom pledge and donate whatever you'd like or for as little as a buck a month, you can help us keep the station and Make a Scene Canada rocking. You can also become an official sponsor of any one of our podcasts or online radio station. All details are on the Contribute section as well. And you can always get in touch with us. Our email is pacificnorthwestradio at gmail.com. And in the subject line for Make Us in Canada or Pacific Northwest Radio or maybe one of our other programs and find them all on pacificnorthwestradio.com. We've just started to dive into the Bitcoin world for the station. If you sign up for your own account... You'll get $10 to invest in various cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, and Bitcoin Cash, just to name a few. It's easy and fun, and why not get into the game? When you sign up and put $100 into your account and buy Bitcoins, you can refer a friend, and when they invest $100, you're going to get $50 to invest. And if you want to learn more about buying cryptocurrency, click on our homepage and follow the NetCoins link. Are you tired of the banking system as we know it? Uh-huh. Have you ever heard about Bitcoin? Huh? Sure you have. Ooh. Ever think about buying it? Uh-huh. But were afraid and didn't know how? I'm scared. Look no further. Netcoins is a user-friendly Canadian cryptocurrency exchange that aims to make cryptocurrencies less mysterious, intimidating, and complicated for Canadians. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm not a lumberjack trader. I don't live in an igloo or eat blubber or on a dog sled. It lets you buy and sell top crypto assets including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, XRP, and QCAD. Everybody here at the station is having a lot of fun with it. It's super easy and if you have a hundred bucks and want to get in on it, Click on the Pacific Northwest Radio homepage and click the Netcoins Buy icon. You're going to get 10 bucks just for buying in, and when you refer someone, you'll get 50 and they'll get 10. Let's get rich together. Thanks for listening to Pacific Northwest Radio. Now go get your Bitcoins. If you're looking for past Make a Scene Canada shows, all of the back shows are on Pacific Northwest Radio. Just click on the Make a Scene Canada show icon on the home page, and there you'll find them. 
You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, plus a whole array of sites all waiting for you to discover. Right now, while you're listening to the show, find us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Magazine Canada. We also have a group page, Magazine BC, where you can post your upcoming gigs. Don't forget to give Pacific Northwest Radio a like on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pacific Northwest Radio. Okay, let's have some fun. Award-winning Hall of Famer, multi-platinum selling producer, songwriting author, guitar and car collector, April Wines leader, Miles Goodwin, asks a tall and transcendental question as he releases his first ever spiritual song, Will the Last Voice I Hear Be an Angel, off his upcoming album, Long Pants. So you grew up in rural New Brunswick, and your bio says that you're a classic small-town kid, makes good success story. Can you give our listeners a rundown of how music found you and how it led you to forming one of Canada's most beloved popular bands, April Wine? I did not uh, grow up in New Brunswick. I was born there, but I left there when I was a toddler. I really grew up in rural Nova Scotia in a small town called Waverly outside of uh, Dartmouth, Halifax area, by not much less than a half hour, maybe 20 minutes out of those cities. Uh, they're across from each other on the uh, on the, on the basin here in, in, on the east coast of Nova Scotia. So I grew up there, and, and everybody down here seems to either be a musician or knows a musician, is a musician in the family. In my case, it was my mother's side, and uh, my uncles that played and sang guitars, and I, everybody seemed to sing, and so I was always listening to music around the house. Uh, my dad always had the radio on, so I was hearing whatever he wanted to hear. Uh, so, you know, I just I kind of grew up like that and learning to play guitar by listening to those early recordings on the radio. Most of it was country uh, back then, but, you know, I'm old enough to remember uh, quite well uh, when uh, Elvis Presley debuted on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1956. Although I was very young, I, I, was, I was taken by that whole event. Uh, I also saw the Beatles uh, when they did the Ed Sullivan show in the, in the early 60s. I guess it was 64 or 5, I don't remember right now. But, of course, I was that perfect age. I was what you would call a Beatle baby, you know, oh. baby boomer slash a Beatle baby. So then, I, you know, so then, like, almost every other young musician everywhere in the world, we, we, get, we get caught up in the British invasion. So we started playing guitar and singing, learning how to write songs ourselves, how to harmonize and so forth. So everything just kind of developed naturally that way. Awesome. And I, I don't want to spend very much time talking about April Wine because we're here to talk about your new upcoming album, Long Pants, and your single, Will the Last Voice I Hear Be an Angel. But I, I have to say, personally, growing up, you were my favorite Canadian band. And my husband, Mark Gladstone, he actually plays Keys with Prism. And you guys okay. have shared many stages together. He says hi, by the way. And then okay. thinking back to those shows that you've done with April Wine, is there a concert that stands out for you or maybe a tour? And uh, what's your favorite April Wine song to play live? Uh, a standout gig. I mean, obviously, playing with the Rolling Stones in 1975 in a small club called the El Macombo in Toronto was exceptional. So I, you know, I have to, you know, say that's number one. Although I've, you know, I've had other memorable ones around the world, and uh, but that one, I mean, playing with the Stones up close and personal mm. is, is, is kind of top the list. Yeah. Uh, our favorite songs? I don't know. You know. I used to say my favorite songs you, you, you have to hear, but uh, I know it sounds, whatever the word is, a little presumptuous and all the rest of that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I have songs that I've written that I've had 
Uh, no one's heard us out of my family for 40 years, you know. And uh, it goes back to my daughter, Amber, when she was born, I wrote a song that very night when I came in from the hospital, all exhausted before I passed out from exhaustion. Oh, my God. I wrote a song called Forever Amber about her birth, and I haven't changed a note or a word in 40 years. Well, that's finally getting released on an album called Long Pants. But of the recorded songs that folks know, it's hard to say. Like, I really like a few. I like Roller mm -hmm. uh, for its energy. Uh, I like Say Hello because it's very unique. Yeah. I like Come Here, the band, because it's very naive. Mm -hmm. uh, I like Just Between You and Me because it came fast and people really like it. So, you know, I, 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 you know, you know, I, I, like, I like most of the stuff that we've done, you know. Uh, some of it I, I like a lot more than others, and some of it... There's some I don't really care to hear. If it comes on, I turn off the radio. Oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you're you're also a car collector, I see, and you have a few Jags. Have you chatted to Al Harlow from Prism? He's also a collector of Jags. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't know that. No, I have uh, three, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, one, two, three. Yeah, I have. I have three Jags. I, 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 I have other vehicles, too. I do like Jaguar very, very much. Uh, my daily driver is a, is a Jag in the summer. I restore in the winter. Okay. Uh, I, you know, and I have other cars. I got my, my, my 66 Corvette Coupe and my NSX, which is probably the, the most special of all the all the cars. That's, a, that's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous car. And I have others, yeah. I'm just about to take my Porsche 911 nice. uh, for a drive, as a matter of fact. I'm waiting for it to cool down so hot. And that little coupe, that little coupe doesn't have any AC. Of course, <laughs> so, it doesn't. Yeah, wow. No, no. <laughs> but I do, I do love car guitars. I mean, I love, and cars. I've got, I guess, ten vehicles, and I've got like a hundred guitars. You know, so I'm a bit of a, a collector. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But actually, be, be quite, be quite honest with you and your listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm letting go. I mean, you know, I'm, I will be uh, 73 uh, in a couple of weeks. Wow! Happy uh, birthday. I'm, I'm trying, yeah, and I'm trying to downsize it, really and truly. And I've been a collector of things, uh, you know, most of my life. And it's easy to collect things when you're in a band mm -hmm. because there's so much that sometimes, like, it's kind of thrown at you, you know. It's like, oh, here, you know, here's a gold album, here's a platinum album, here's a, here's a special guitar I built for you, or, or here's a little thing, thank you, from, you know, from an organization like the JDRF, you know. And you, and you go, oh, well, what do I do with these? You know, I don't, I don't want them, but mm -hmm. I, I can't throw them away i mean what do you do uh, my family doesn't want any more of my stuff oh no <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> like, pass no, them dad, down no, we're, we're good dad you know, it's your problem, do it. and uh, you know <laughs> so i i give i give so much away car loads truck loads of uh, stuff i give away and still there's more so wow. uh we'll see it's just my little problem not the worst problem to have that's for sure yeah well maybe i'll let al know and maybe if you're letting one of your jags go he, you guys can talk about it yeah you never, <laughs> you never know you never know i want to ask you What's your go-to guitar for songwriting? Uh, well, it used to be, you know, I'm a guitar collector, and really anyone that has more than one guitar is a collector. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the, the, the first guitar I ever owned, and my dad bought for me in, back in Dartmouth when I was a young man, young teenager living at home, and he bought it uh, in Dartmouth at a store called Nyforce. I still have that. But I don't wow. play it really anymore, but I still have it and take care of it. 
I have an old, old Gibson, and and guitar players would just know what I'm talking about. It, it's a it's Priest 47. I thought it was a 47 until recently. Uh, it's a given a Gibson uh, Southern Jumbo, probably about 1945 or 1946. Mm-hmm. And I've written most of April Wine's hits on that acoustic guitar, including Roller. So I've had it forever. I got that guitar way early in the 70s, and I still have it. Like I say, it's a very old, beautiful, you of a staring at it. Matter of mm. fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's in my office. Awesome. Uh, but I have discovered I have discovered other guitars, acoustic guitars. Like I have a couple of really nice guitars, 12-string uh, Furch and a six-string Furch. So they, they're, they're really fantastic guitars. And I've got a... Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, again, the guitar players know what I'm talking about. The, the, the flagship for Martin and a D45. I have a D45. Mm. And uh, that that's a beautiful, beautiful piece. That They use the best materials available. Not the time to make the D45 series. So yeah. I'm fortunate to have one of those. And I have some other ones. Like I say, I'm a guitar collector, so I have a lot of uh, good guitars. But my go-to one, I have, I have two or three, including the old Gibson, that, that I go to these days. Where it used to be only that Gibson back for a long time, but more recently, in the last well, several years, I've got a small group that I, I go to. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love my 45. I've got one too. It's just beautiful. Oh, there you go. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. My husband, Mark, is a type 1 diabetic. And in reading your bio, I read that you also are. I am. Yeah, it runs in my family. Yeah. Uh, my, I have two brothers, and one of them is diabetic. So two out of three brothers. Yeah. Uh, my son, my my youngest, the younger. I have two sons. The younger one was di- 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 diabetes type one when he was six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have aunts and uncles, so it just runs in the family. It was my turn. Yeah. And 2007 it hit me, uh, changed my life. It's the worst. You know, there are worst things in the world. That's what I always tell myself. But for me, it's the worst thing in my world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how he's handling, but it's every single day. It nips at your heels every single day. Yep. Your numbers are up, they're up, they're down. They're mm-hmm. so hard to control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so for me, my life is based around diabetes, and it's horrible that it has to be like that. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm not as uh, regimented. Uh, as I should be in terms of when do I eat and what do I eat. I mean, I don't eat cake and pies and ice cream. Yeah. But, you know, I'm careful. I'm careful. But still, it's a roller coaster, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough t- disease. Tough. Really tough. And, and when I was reading your story, um, your family was poor. You know, I can totally relate to that. And you used to put cardboard in your shoes to keep the small nails from digging into your feet. That's true. And, you yeah. know, oh, I see what you're reading. Yeah. Okay. And what, what I want to lead up to is you founded Soulful Caring Shoes for the Homeless, and I'd love to further spread that word. So can you talk about Soulful Caring a little bit, how it came about, obviously, from your diabetes and experience, and how people can get involved? Well, uh, Soul for Caring uh, was born from a conversation that I had with a doctor, uh, Stan uh, Van Dies. And Stan is a diabetic, and he was telling me one day, and I was, this is early in my my, my diagnosis, uh, that the people out in the streets, the homeless people, are really vulnerable. The the diabetics with no home, no proper diet. A lot of them don't have enough on their uh, on their feet to keep them warm in the winter time, mm-hmm. and holes in the shoes, walking on needles in the park, your nails. You know, as a diabetic, you have to protect your feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as much as you protect your wallet, <laughs> if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It's like <laughs> more so. Uh, I never. The only time I don't have something on my feet really, pretty much, is uh, when I go to bed. 
the rest of the time, I have something on my feet, uh, you know, all, all, all the time because it's, 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 if you, now this is the truth. I don't know if your people, your fans out there know this, but, you know, diabetes um, is so serious in terms of circulation and so forth that it attacks the feet in particular. And the neuropathy down there can lead to amputation. Mm-hmm. And, and once you lose a limb or two, statistically, uh, you're going to, you know, you're going to die. Yeah. Uh, in a, you know, approximately, this is what I read about, you know, so in the neighborhood of three to five years later, uh. it's very possible that you could die from complications. So it's a really scary thing. And when you see amputees as you go around in the mall on the streets, wherever it might be, and they're not that old, you know, like they're not like really old, then you can pretty much assume it was diabetes that took their, their, their leg or legs. And so it's a tough one. You know, mm-hmm. it's a really tough one. So, so I say to Stan, I said, well, all those homeless people out there, man, can't we do something? Why don't we, why don't we do something? So I went home and I thought about it and I, and I got a hold of it and I said, let's start something. And we'll collect shoes. We'll collect shoes. Uh, gently used shoes is the expression. Mm-hmm. Footwear, gently used. We don't want, you know, we don't want one shoe, one sneaker. We don't want that. We want a nice pair that you, you know, folks are done with. They, you know, they, they just don't want to wear that color anymore, that style anymore, that doesn't fit anymore. So we collect those. And once we collect those, we get we take them to missions and shelters and things like that. So And it became coast-to-coast, and I worked with people like Value Village. I worked with the Canadian Diabetes Association and other organizations to to make this work. And it did. We collected approximately 5,000 shoes in each campaign. Wow. Uh, But I stopped doing it because it was incredibly difficult. I mean, I did it all by myself, so I had no time for anything. It was all week long, on the phones, coordinating uh, waiting for calls back, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's like it became a real business, and I was the only one. Dr. Stan was too busy saving people. He's one of God's helpers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. he's, he's doing a good thing, but I was running the thing myself, and, and, and I got beat up, and then I wanted to actually, uh, what I did, uh, sure, the short end of this is, is that I haven't done anything with it for a while, and now I feel uh, I want to start it up again, and I am now planning to do some... Uh, uh, streaming. Okay, performances cool. To, yeah, to try and try and arrange, uh, try and get donations uh, to Soulful Caring that we can we can we can go run and do some kind of a run again, and we'll see how that goes. And I think it's the I want to go to the blues community mm-hmm. because of all the friends I've met in the blues community through my two blues records, uh, and, and and just doing little uh, doing little shows and stuff. See, so we can raise a few hundred dollars here and there to to help those in need. So we'll see how that goes. But I haven't, I'm not doing anything right now. And okay. the folks out there can maybe keep an ear open for it, but they, there's nothing I can do right now. Okay, cool. Um, I'm not set up for it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. You're not only an incredibly talented musician, you're also an author. In Just Between You and Me, you share the story of your upbringing in your home and then in the music business as the lead singer of April Wine. What year did you release that book and how can people get a copy? I think it was 2017. You can check on that easily. Okay. Uh, I, it's hard for me to be exactly right about that, but I think it was seventeen. Okay. Uh, cool. It was it was sixteen or seventeen. I think it was seventeen. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, I've left the office. If I go back to the office, there's a copy there somewhere. I, I could tell you exactly, but uh, anyway, it's it's a you know the book is uh, is an autobiography, and it's about me my growing up in Nova Scotia and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I starting April wine, so a great deal of the book is obviously. 
about April Wine, my experience with April Wine. And I talk about all the songs, and I talk about the recording process and where it went, anecdote stories, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wrote the book is because I, I heard uh, so much that was untrue about April Wine. And and I was the kind of guy that for years would say nothing. You know, if we had a member cha change in membership, mm -hmm. I would say, well, you know, I would say as little as possible. I really didn't explain if there was a rub, uh, if there was some reason somebody had to go. I never talked about it. I didn't want to talk bad about anybody or say anything. I just let it go. But I heard so much misinformation, uh, so much of it. And, of course, a lot of people were trying to beat me up because I was the leader of the band. But that's what happens, leader of the bands. They take the brunt of everybody. And um, so I decided one day, wouldn't it be nice if I wrote uh, uh, wrote it down, my memoir, and I had it um, tell it like it is, tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, you know, I, I wrote this for my family. I didn't write it for, for fans of the band. I wrote it for my family. Yeah, it was 2016. And, and it says right here, it's dedicated with unconditional love to my three children, Amber, Aaron, and Carrie, and to the enduring memory of my mother and father, Roberta Ann and Francis Roby Goodwin. I wrote it for my family. Hmm. I wanted my kids and everybody to know the, the real truth of everything because, you know, I was bashed a lot and, and I never talked about it. So I just defended myself. And what was, but more, it was, it really wasn't all about defending myself. It was the story. It was, but I did have Brian Greenway that was with me since 1977, and, and, and I was able to, he was there, so it was always nice to, have, to know that there was somebody that would support me in what I said. Oh, Miles just made that up. Well, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Brian was backing me up in the book. Yes, I remember that, and this happened, and that happened. And the original members, they contributed to. So it's, it's, it's an interesting book. People that have read it really like it. Fans of April want to really enjoy the book. Yeah, for sure. And you also wrote Elvis and Tiger, and I'm super intrigued. I have not read the book yet, but how did you come up with that story idea? Well, I just have a, an imagination. You know, I think it just comes with, it's part of being... Uh, creative, I, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know, except that I was thinking about, you know, what if what if Elvis and what if Tiger and if this happened and that happened and that didn't happen, but this happened instead. And my imagination kind of took over, and I had an idea for a book. And it's basically that Elvis uh, Elvis Tiger, Elvis Presley didn't die uh, when when he when they, they announced to the world that he was that was actually an imposter, and Elvis took the opportunity to run for his life, literally. And uh, and he's kind of relaxing in Antigua under 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 a pseudonym with a different look and everything else. And he's very, you know he has some of his menstrual pals with him. And anyway, he gets up, he gets healthy. He gets off the drugs and the donuts and everything. Oh God! And, and he and, and he starts to enjoy fishing. He gets a fishing boat. He and he takes up golf because he's enamored by this lady that he meets there. And he and he's smitten with golf. All of a sudden, he loves golf. So he's out with the boys and practicing playing golf, and then he watches the Masters when the, the, the year that uh, Tiger Woods, 1997, uh, the year that, that Tiger Woods won the Masters. And he saw this young black man going through the front doors <laughs> of, of the Masters, which is, uh, which is held down in Georgia. And, and nothing like that had ever been seen before. He didn't just beat all those old white guys, you know. Yeah. He, he, beat, he beat them by 12 strokes. I mean, he just, he just tore them apart. Yes. And, uh, and of course, he's, he's a legend and uh, an incredible golfer. And so Elvis sees this and he says, I would like to meet Tiger Woods. 
and, and a story goes from there. Okay, awesome. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> All right. And I'd like to pause just to mention some of your awards that you've had, the ECMA Lifetime Achievement Award for your impact on the music industry of Atlantic Canada. You've received numerous writing and publishing awards internationally, including the prestigious SOCAN Classic Award for more than a million airplays. Um, you won the coveted Canadian Music and Broadcast Industry Award. And in 2010, we're inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. That's, you know, those are all such amazing accolades. Um, you're a blues lover and have several award-winning blues projects, Miles Goodwin and the Friends of the Blues. Who are some of the blues friends that played on those tracks? Oh, there's so many. Uh, you're testing my memory right uh, here. But you know, Garrett, Garrett Mason, his father was a Dutch Mason, the Prime Minister of the Blues. Down here in the East Coast, uh, Jack DeKaiser, multi-winning uh, uh, singer, guitar player, writer. He just won five awards at the Blues uh, Maple Blues Awards just in the last week or so. He's on both records. Uh, Kenny Blues, Boss Wayne, keyboards like amazing out of New Orleans, <clears throat> and he did a played on a song that was a tribute to Fats Domino, who I was a big fan of. A song called "Tell Me Where I've Been," so I won't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amos, Amos Garrett, uh, David Go Go. Uh, Roly Platt, um, uh, you know, just a Dave, uh, uh, David Wilcox, um, uh, Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer played on, on, on a Rocky Blues one called uh, Last Time I'll, I'll Ever Sing the Blues. And Rick Derringer, of course, we first heard him when he sang Hang on Sloopy. Mm-hmm. And then Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. And uh, an amazing player and still looks like a kid and just, you know, full of energy. And he's on the album. Uh, there are a lot of people, and uh, I'm, 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 I don't remember everybody. If anyone's listening here, they haven't mentioned. I'm so sorry. And and the basic blues bands of Bruce Dixon and J.J.R. Smith. So a lot of great players. A lot mm-hmm. of great players. Well, that's. Yeah. I think you remembered quite a few. <laughs> I did okay. Yeah, no kidding. And when you look back at your life, Miles, and all that you've achieved, what accomplishments as a musician are you most proud of? Ah. Uh, I don't know. That's a really funny question because, you know, I, I don't know. I'm really, really, really proud of what I've done in the blues thing. I mean, I was 70 years old when all of a sudden I said, you know what? I've had this itch. I want to scratch it. Mm-hmm. And I want to do some blues songs because I consider myself a songwriter. And if I'm remembered for anything, I want to you know, be known as a, as a decent songwriter. I wasn't, I'm not, not a singer, not a guitar player or anything. Just he was a good writer. He wrote some really good songs, and I wrote most of April One songs, mm-hmm. right? So all of that catalog. But when I decided to write the blues, I just sat down with a guitar and, and, and an idea, and I wrote uh, eleven or twelve, whatever's on that first album, and I called it Miles Goodwin and Friends of the Blues, and bam, it was nominated for a Juno. It was a blues album of the year. I won uh, East Coast uh, uh, East Coast Blues uh, Award for for album of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the song, my, my, my album was in the top 50 in the U.S. for over a year. Wow. And the, the charts here, some of the charts here, I was up and down number one quite a few times. And that was a tremendous feeling to, to kind of reinvent myself uh, at that age and to do it well. And then I did the second one, which is basically with the same results again. Mm-hmm. And that really feels good. So now I'm doing a third one. Uh, it's called, it's different. It's called uh, I Dream in Blue. Oh. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. 
And uh, but in the meantime, my, my next project is the Long Pants, which is uh, just a songwriter's album. Songs that go back, like I said, like forty years about my children, about life, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And thank you for indulging me in all your past. But I do want to talk about your new album, so it's going to be released this summer. I'm supposing from everything that I've read. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, the, the writing process is just winding down. I've done a little bit of demoing just to make sure I don't forget anything because everything takes a while. Yeah. Uh, but I've got, uh, I've got uh, you know, all the songs that I need and, and all the songs that I feel are, are worthy. And so I'm excited about it because, again, it's very different. It's like the blues thing is very different from mm-hmm. April Wine. And this is very different man, from everything else I've done. And it has a song like, well, the last voice I hear be an angel is the first spiritual song I've ever written. And yeah. and that came about because I was I did this television show and I performed with my trio, a trio called Just Between You and Me Live uh, down here. And we did a, we did a song, uh, Gene McClellan's song called Put Your Hand in the Hand. Mm-hmm. And, and the response to it was incredible. And I said to my, my fellow, fellow tri- guys in the trio, I said, you know what? I've never written a spiritual song. Boy, folks really like that when you write a good one, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then in the next few weeks, I worked on it. And then one day, the chorus came to me, and I'm not religious. I'll make that very clear. I'm not a, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm not a religious guy in mm-hmm. that in the true sense of that word. But my partner is, although she does you'd never know it, but she is very religious, you know, and she's wonderful. And I played it for her, and her eyes all watered up immediately. And I said, this is good. And she just, yeah. This is really good. Uh, so I decided to finish. And now here's the interesting story: is that I was I was about a, a few days, three or four days into. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this now. What's it gonna be about? How am I gonna do this? And what do I want to say? When I got a I got a, a, an email from California asking me to be a judge in an international spiritual songwriting contest. Oh. And I could knock me over with a guitar pick. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> what? Are you serious? There was a number. And I called it. And she says, I said, why in the world would you ask me to do something like this? And she says, well, we just really respect your songwriting. And we want to know if you'd be on the panel. Hmm. I said, well, as it turns out, I'm writing my very first spiritual song. And absolutely. I'm in. So I, I did that. And I finished the song within a week or so after that conversation. And people love it. And so do I. I think it's a good song. It's it's beautiful. It's really heartfelt. It's full of emotion and tenderness. And I can't wait. I'm going to play it at the end of this interview for our listeners. I can't wait for them to hear it. Oh, thank you. I'm um, just talking a little bit more about the songs that are on uh, this album, Long Pants. So you've written songs for each of your children. Um, you talked about Forever Amber a little bit. Um, so also you have Talk To Me, and it's cool because my band Stone Poets has a song called Talk To Me that we just released last year. So I can't wait to listen to your song. Um, so tell me about those other songs that you wrote for your kids. Well, the Talk To Me song was recorded by April Wine about... Well, our last studio album was 15 years ago. So the song Talk to Me, which I wrote for one of my sons because he was having a very hard time. And the message was, I'm here for you. You call me when you need to talk to somebody. You talk to me. Mm-hmm. And it's a song of love for my son and respect. And that was recorded on the last studio album that April Wine did called Roughly Speaking 15 years ago. So I dusted it off and I did a, a more of a songwriter's acoustic version of it. And uh, the other song I wrote for one of my kids is my my uh, middle, my my younger of the two sons, and who was diabetic at a very early age, and it's about diabetes. And I actually performed it at a couple of uh, JDRF functions, 
Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and uh, it's, it's called uh, it's called um, uh, Over the Moon. Over the Moon. It's called yeah. Over the Moon. It's an old expression to be over the moon to be really happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to click your heels. Everything's good. It's a, uh, and, and so, yeah, oh, it's called Over the Moon, and it's about diabetes. And uh, and it's not it's not like, oh, no, I got diabetes. No, it's not like that. It's a message to a very young person, male or firm female, about having diabetes. And and and, uh, and it's just full of hope and understanding and, mm. and caring. And so I wrote that, and that's going to be on there. I also have a song about euphemism. Right, uh, yes. Yes, it's called... Um, I Leave Today. I Leave Today, yeah. I was doing a songwriter's uh, circle with uh, Dan Hill, mm-hmm. who wrote Sometimes When We Touch. Yes. Massive hit. A wonderful man. We became friends from, from that point forward. But he played a song about his mother who chose, chose to take her own life, but she was just tired of life. She was 19 years old. She went to Europe. And uh, anyway, her choice was youth and his men. I understand that, and I agree with it. I, I think in certain circumstances, it's quite okay. And it's a great alternative to years of suffering and so mm-hmm. forth when it's hopeless. So anyway, uh, I believe that's so why I wrote this song. And it really is about, about two minutes and ten seconds of someone's life, their last breath kind of thing. And it's just me on the guitar and uh-huh. vocal. And uh, at the very end, I just put my finger on a couple of strings on a, on a keyboard, just a little bit of string thing at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played it for Dan Hill after I finished, and he said he, he loved it. So that's on there as well. And another song I'm doing right now, I'm in the studio on Friday, is called uh, Darling, Where Are You? Right. And that's about, yes, that's about murdered and uh, indigenous and mis- murdered and missing indigenous women yes. in this country and also in North America, yeah. So I've been working with the Mi'kmaq as, as natives down here and uh, it's coming along great, you know, and, and it's in English and it's a Mi'kmaq uh, and uh, it's uh, it's it's very powerful song. It's a very powerful song and some of the words are mine and some of the words are theirs. Uh, I wanted the indigenous uh, side of it, you know, not, not me, not this, this guy like me. I mean, What would I know about mm-hmm. this? But the reason I wrote it is that my partner, for 11 years, native. And I, 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 I hear firsthand some of the atrocities, uh, the way the native people are, are treated mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, her children, I've heard stories of children just make you cry, mm-hmm. you know, from the hate from all the haters out there, and there's so many people that are prejudiced towards Native people in this country. It's it's shocking. And, of course, what's in, but what we know about what happened recently when they found the graves of all of these young children. Oh, my God. Uh, it's pretty powerful stuff. So long pants, is, 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 it's an adult topic. I call it long pants because adults wear long pants and children wear short pants. Well, this is long pants. This is for adults. Mm-hmm. This is a mature album, if you will. And it's full of fun. Too. There's a drinking song, some, a little song about kittens, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and the, the more serious song, certainly, uh, a song for, for my partner, Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just about life. It's yeah. about life and death, I guess. Yeah. yeah, life and death. And Princess Rain, I guess that's the uh, love song for That's for Kim. For yeah, Kim. that's for Kim, yeah. Princess, yeah, Princess Aww. Rain, that's her, that's her, Princess Rain. That's amazing. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm super excited for you. You've got 
you know, this huge career and just so much more to do. So we're, we're going to yes. be watching you for a long time to come. <laughs> I hope so. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it because it, it, I'm not going to say that's all I know, but it, that's true too. But I do it because I love it. And I've loved it since I was a child and sitting in a kitchen, literally, or in the living room down here in Nova Scotia, listening to people play and sing. And 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 then Elvis and then Fats Domino and, mm-hmm. and you know the Everly Brothers and all of those early you know even Roy Rogers if you go back to Gene Autry you oh, know I mean, all of those all of through the Beatles through Elvis through rock and roll all the Bobby Curtolas and the Bobby Vintons and all through that mm-hmm. into into you know the Beatles which made us all think about eventually big albums big projects like the Who with. Uh, with their albums and so forth, then Led Zeppelin and on and on. Yeah, and my crazy. whole life has been about music. That's all I know. It's all I want to do. So usually when I get out of bed, I'm a two coffee guy in the morning. I get my coffee and I wrap myself around a guitar, one of those go-to acoustics, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I've I've pretty much written, you know, three of the albums that I want to want to put out, and uh, and the latest uh, news for fans of Vapor Wine, anyway is that I contacted them not long ago and I said, listen, I've got so much time in my hands because we're not touring. We haven't made a record in 15 years. What, what, if, we, what if we do one while we're sitting around? What, let's be creative. Let's do an April Wine album and see if we can get it up by the end of the year. Everybody was up for that. And so I started that process. So oh, my God. On <laughs> You're yeah. so busy. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And of course, as I've been trying to write all my life a Christmas album, I might even dip into that. You <laughs> might knows? as well. You've got you've got a few months, yeah, so. I mean, <laughs> you know. Anyway, no, that, that, that's what I live for: writing. That's amazing. Know? I have many artists that listen to this show, and with all your experience that you've acquired over the years, can you offer any advice to recording artists that are pursuing their musical dream? Well, you know, I've been asked this many, many, many times, and my stock answer is a good one. I always say, you know, just work really hard at it. Be 100% dedicated to what you what you want to do, and don't let anything get in the way. Uh, I, you know, I've been obsessed with music all of my life, and and I know through April Wine being the main, my life is like when everybody else was sleeping, I was writing, mm-hmm. I was working, working on my guitar, working on my songs. You can't work hard enough on your craft, you know, to get better and to get better. And just maybe be a little better than the next guy or be a little different. Being different is very, very important. I also say if you're a songwriter, never be discouraged. When you start, you may play something and they go, oh, geez, that sounds like somebody else. Don't let that stop you. Keep going with that because it'll evolve. And what sounded like somebody to begin with might sound very, very different at the end of that journey. So I always say very, be very, very positive because... You know, we've had so much music in our, in, you know, in the world in our in our lifetime that influences come and go, right? So mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. We're all working with the same number of notes. Nobody's invented new notes. They're the same old notes. Beethoven was playing the same ones I am. Yeah, that's all we have to work with. So be positive. And the last thing I would say about all of that is when you do finish in the writing process and the recording process needs passion and and you have to have very high standards especially when it comes to performing um, and you have to be in my opinion it has to be real and if it's not real and you don't have great playing and great arrangements a great you know really really the details too 
mostly it's the feel. If you don't have the feeling in something, it doesn't matter how good you are. Really concentrate on the feel. There are so many horrible songs that were big hits. Because it didn't matter that the singer was out of tune. It didn't matter that the drummer was off. I mean, this is rare. You'll get a song like Wooly Bully. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm really dating myself with my references. <laughs> but Wooly, Wooly, Wooly. You know, just a magical song sung out of key by a non-singer, probably never sang a record on a record after that. Those things happen. But generally, just keep it real. Keep it real from the heart. Make it feel really good. And you can take something, sometimes it'll be something average and become really special just because you did it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember to remember, it's all that's important, I think. Awesome advice. How can people find you on social media? Well, uh, not that hard in the basic stuff. Like, I'm, I'm really old school. So I've got a you know, Facebook page and I have a, uh, or a page on my Facebook and, and uh, my, my band, aprilwine.com. Uh, milesgoodwin.com also and on milesgoodwin.com you see all of my projects and what's going on I have to keep it more up to date but it's not that far behind I haven't really been talking about the new blues album because it isn't real yet or Long Pants because it's not done yet or the new April Wine album because we've just started but um, there's other other bits on there and uh, and soon again I want to get some activity with Soulful Caring so Okay, um, cool. You can start with Facebook, I guess, or milesgoodwin.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Miles. Really appreciate your time and wish you good luck in all your adventures that are coming. You know, we're just going to keep an eye on you. All right. Sounds good. Keep me honest, okay? Yes, I will try to. Well, the last voice I hear be an angel Will I leave this world peacefully Will the last voice I hear be an angel Lord saying take my Wasn't always kind And Lord, you know that's true And now all I want is peace of mind And to one day be with you I remember the days of summer As a young child long, long ago And although much has changed In ways I'm still the same As that young boy I used to know These days I worry some 
about my past and the things I've done. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord, I pray you'll never turn me away. Well, the last voice I hear be an angel. Well, I leave this world peacefully. Well, the last voice I hear be an angel, Lord, saying, Take my hand and walk with me. Well, the last voice I hear be an angel. Well, I leave this world peacefully. Last voice I hear Be an angel, Lord Saying, take my hand And walk with me Saying, take my hand And walk with me I really want to thank Miles for being on the show today and sharing his music and stories with us. Head over to milesgoodwin.com. You can follow him on his social media and get that newest single that I just played, Will the Last Voice I Hear Be an Angel. And that's the show. I'm always so grateful to share our Canadian artists and their music with you, as well as our industry movers and shakers stories. Leave Pacific Northwest Radio on 24-7. It's music online all the time. You can find all my past shows on demand. Click the Make a Scene Canada icon on the homepage of Pacific Northwest Radio. As well, you can find Make a Scene Canada on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, plus a whole array of sites that you can subscribe to. It's all waiting for you to discover. Big shout out to my Make a Scene Canada sponsor, Sheldon Zaharko from Zed Productions. All you rock stars ready to record your new album or single, check out Zed Productions at SheldonZaharko.com. The music that you're listening to right now is from my band Stone Poets, recorded with Sheldon, and you can hear more at stonepoets.ca or listen to my rock side head at headmusic.ca and you can find me and all my projects at shereljardine.ca. And please get in touch because I love hearing from you. Now take a few minutes out of your day and share our Canadian artists, make a scene Canada and Pacific Northwest Radio on social media. Okay, signing off now. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, let's make a scene, Canada. Too close to the sun. Feels better if you just start falling. The air is calling you to run away. Run away. Better just run away. Like someone's holding a gun. Better just to run away. There's always somewhere to run. the truth Time is slowly ticking
better if it just stopped falling The air is calling you to run away 